Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a, another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly scheduled episodes where we bring you the latest on movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Thank you for joining us on this fine Tuesday evening. It is December the 12th, 2023. Today is episode 413. And yes, we're here to give you all of that and more. So uh, why don't we just slide right into that? Yes, let's go right into it and start with the music section. Start the music section with the billboard. Start the billboard with the Hot 100. And we all start rocking around the Christmas tree because it's holiday season. As Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee is your number one song. At number two, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Coming in at three, Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms. At four is Last Christmas by Wham. And rounding out your top five, Lovin' On Me by Jack Harlow. They're slowly pushing Jack Harlow out of the top five. Next week it'll be gone. Yep, just slowly pushing them down. As for your albums, chart your billboard 200. At number one, The World EP, Finn, colon, Will, by ATs. <laughs> I feel like I just malfunctioned there. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I assume this is K-pop then. <laughs> I'm assuming as well. I don't know. Uh, coming at number two this is 1989. Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. Coming in at three for All the Dogs by Drake. At four, One Thing at a Time by Morgan Wallen. And running at your top five, Tis the Season. Sorry, no. Christmas by Michael Bublé. Not Tis the Season, but hey, Michael Bublé's Christmas, it's here. <laughs> Just had to fix his name. It was a weird typo, but yes. It was a bubble. I imagine that if, will go up further um, in the coming weeks as well. Yes. If you like any of those albums, we have no releases. <laughs> I was going to say, well, too bad, because nothing new is coming out this week. And get this, until the new year. So we are done with new releases <laughs> for music. That means you're... Uh, official like wrap up of music for Spotify or Apple or whatever streaming device you have. That's all you're getting. That's it. That's it. Just re listen to those albums. <laughs> Not until 2024 will we have a new album. So enjoy to. Christmas music. Yeah. It's only for three weeks. You can handle it. <laughs> if I can handle it, so can you. Well, let's get into the news then, shall we? But hey, so much news. Let's wrap up into the music bits. Nom, 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 nom. So many bits. Nom, nom, nom. We're going to start uh, with a bit of triple threat of Taylor Swift, as she's in here for three different reasons. Yes. Starting with the Eras Tour. Still going on. Still trotting the world. And has officially hit $1 billion in revenue. I believe it's the first tour to do that ever of all time. Uh, so that means that Taylor now has the most successful global tour ever. Uh, this also I guess coincides with early in the year where she officially made herself a billionaire. Yes. Based on 
music alone and sales and being general taylor swift dinas general taylor swift general taylor swift yeah. uh but that she wasn't done because this past week taylor herself was named times person of the year cover art included yes. with cat uh we're in it she opens up an interview about kanye's famous backlash and what led to her heiress tour and current romance with travis kelsey so i did not read the entirety of this interview but i kind of i read a piece summarizing basically what she talked about and yeah she was pretty open about the ups and downs of her career including mm-hmm. what she refers to as kind of the lowest point which was that kanye slash kim kardashian uh thing that happened with the song famous where they basically tried to gaslight taylor making her appear like she was the villain in the story for going back on her word about approving the lyric when she really didn't approve it at all and so she talked about that kind of like low being at her lowest point allowed her to retool the rest of her career which led her on the path starting with reputation to the reclaiming of the masters to the heiress to her et cetera et cetera et cetera so yeah she pretty much uh, kind of lays it all on the line in the interview there is a little bit of a debate about whether or not she should have been the time uh person of the year especially in a year where so much other things happened arguably more important things happened uh but i'm not mr time so don't yell at me <laughs> i am merely a messenger uh but but yeah, uh, still, uh, this makes her the first musician uh, to appear as the person of the year in time. Fun fact. That is actually a weird fun fact. Isn't that weird? It took them this long for that to happen. But yes, it's typically a politician, right. uh, some sort of world leader. It could techni- it could be an actor, but I believe this is the first time it's a musician. Well, I'm curious as to when time started doing person of the year, because you'd think like at least the Beatles and Beatlemania... Would, would have made think. such a big impact, right? It turns out that in the 1960s, there were other people, uh, more important figures, I think, to award. Um, <laughs> I believe it goes back pretty damn far, like pretty early in the in the magazine's history. Well, yeah, I know. It goes far back to where like Hitler was at one point Times Person of the Year. Because it, it's, it's not... And not at the, one point, not, I think several points. Yes, because the Person of the Year is not the most important, necessarily the most important person of the year, but the most influential person of the year. Right. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at the list right now, and yeah, it goes, it goes back at least to the 30s. Oof! Wow. So it's been a very long time. So 90 years and one musician. I don't like the odds for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Anyways. Anyways, um, on the heels of being named Times Person of the Year, uh, there was a deadly tornado. That ripped through Tennessee this past week. Being Taylor's hometown, she decided to donate $1 million to help with the relief efforts. Yes, yes. Uh, Why not use those billions for a good cause? And in this case, uh, she has, once again. Um, So, yeah, it hopefully will be used uh, to help recover from those the damage that the tornadoes have caused. Yes, and... For all of you saying out there, $1 million is still a significant amount of money, even if it is 0.1% of the $1 billion that she currently is. 
but for but for uh relief efforts it's something it's definitely not nothing mm-hmm. but hey there's other music stuff that happened this week yes including ariana grande as she inked a new management deal with brandon creed not yes. that creed <laughs> no this of course follows her exit over at Scooter Bronze Agency. Mm-hmm. So uh, Brandon Creed will be her new manager, and it looks like they have quite a busy schedule already. Uh, some pictures were shown earlier in the week of Ariana back in the studio, uh, supposedly recording new music, and of course she also has a lot on her table with the upcoming release of the Wicked films in which she will star. So uh, yeah, she's got a busy, busy 2024 ahead of her. Yeah, but that wicked film is next Christmas, though. Yes, the whole year for that. But uh, maybe we'll get music before that, then? Who knows? Uh, probably. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Ariana Grande at New Year's Eve. Yeah. Helping with the ball drop. Maybe. Maybe so. We'll see. Uh, let's see here. And then we have a couple of, eh, let's call them downer news. Yeah. As a for- another former Grammy CEO, Mike Green has been sued for sexual assault. Yes, as the na- as the story implies, this is the second time a former Grammy CEO has been accused of sexual assault, uh, which means, oh boy, not a great track record for that position, is it? Um, and it just kind of rounds out the year of yet another story of another powerful man in music that took advantage of his stature. Um, disappointing. I don't know. There's no really else, nothing else to really say about it besides that. Well, we can't go back and change our story of the year. Eh, no, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late. Uh, but it's not too late to get uh, Sean Diddy Combs yes. in jail because he has this... once again been accused of sexual yes. assault. Again. Again. This time in a. Uh... Can we say this? <laughs> I mean, if you want, you can just say yes. Uh, this time it involved uh, a 17 year old girl, girl who was a guest at his, um, at his record label. Um, this seems to be corroborated with some pictures from that day. That being said, of course, we have media both podcasts have to say we do not know for sure. We have to say allegedly, we have to say accused. But anyways, um, yeah, this kind of adds to the pile of accusations for uh, Mr. Mr. Diddy. And um, it does uh, paint pretty clear of a picture. It's also notable at, uh, that after this came out, he made a statement on it for the first time. He state he made a public statement that said he does deny the accusations. So I we'll mean, see what happens. But it doesn't of course look like... he would deny the accusations. I mean yes, of course he would, but uh we'll see. Yes. Um we shall see. Let the courts decide that. In the meantime, you betcha that there's no more new releases for the rest of the year. But that doesn't stop you from listening to this new stuff. No, because I was catching up on last week's, a couple of last week's new releases, uh, which I'll talk about real briefly here. Uh, first up, hey, Nicki Minaj is back. Uh, she kind of had a few uh, singles over the last year and change, and it was all leading up to her new record, Pink Friday 2, which, as the name implies, is a sequel to Pink Friday, which was kind of seen as her big breakthrough record. Uh, back on, over a decade ago now. Um, Pink Friday 2 kind of follows in its footsteps where it's also kind of a combination of all sorts of different kinds of Nikki vibes. You have some straight up, uh, straight up rap tracks here. You have some straight pop tracks. 
A lot of it, unfortunately, relies on the crutch of a sample of a popular song. You may have already heard her single uh, Super Freaky Girl, which, as you might guess from the title, samples Super Freak. <laughs> what a concept. Um, and it's not the only one. There are songs on here that sample Blondie. There's a song on here that sample Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun. So if you're looking for a complete creativity, you're not going to find it here. There are moments that peek through uh, the clouds where Nikki gets kind of her rap prowess back. There are some impressive performances on some of these tracks, but it's also 22 songs long and it's a little exhausting by the end of it. It feels like she could have made a better, more concise record with the strongest moments and kind of tossed off the singles as they are to be singles. Uh, but that's my opinion. Not the best Nicki Minaj record. How do those samples compare to her biggest sample hit of Anaconda? Ah, uh, you know, about the same, which is to say Anaconda wasn't that great of a song either. So uh, <laughs> they're all kind of about the same um, quality wise. I think what her strength is, is not that. And there are moments where her strengths do show through and you get slight reminders oh yeah Nicki Minaj is one of the best rappers in the business it's too bad that she doesn't focus and own in on that instead of doing so much other things to distract from it so a little disappointing um yeah, disappointing yeah I also listened to the new Tate McRae record her debut uh proper debut LP Think Later I had heard her single Greedy on the radio a few times and thought it was all right. I was like, okay, this has got kind of a vibe to it. Then she performed on SNL a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, all right, fine. I'll listen to this thing. Solid pop record. Not really much to talk about here. Uh, it's more or less right down the middle of what you'd expect in kind of a post-Taylor, uh, Olivia Rodrigo era. It combines things from kind of both of their uh, their toolkits. She's actually closer to Olivia in age. I believe she's 20. Um, and you can feel a little bit of that youth in the in the vibe here. It's a very uh, Zoomer uh, like style <laughs> record. And, but it is cool to see yet another young pop act try to make try to make her name in the in the industry. And it is a good first foot uh, step in that direction. I think that there are uh, moments of uh, convincing um, songwriting strength in here. And um I don't know. There's something to her. Um, it's not the best pop record I've ever heard, but uh, I think she has potential if she uh, builds on this foundation. But uh, other than that, I don't really much to say about it. So a good uh, initial outing then on a yeah, debut uh, record. Be. Yeah, it could be. Um, uh, some interesting potential there. But All that's right. it. Uh, I did not listen to anything new. Alrighty. So let's go right on ahead into video games where we start with new releases. Yes, we including do. Custom Mech Wars for the PC and the PS5. Noja for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. Grand Blue Fantasy versus Colon Rising for the PS4, PS5, and PC. Ready or not for the PC. And then your two big sequels for the week. <laughs> Hammerwatch 
2 for the Nintendo Switch and the PS5. And then House Flipper 2 for the PC. Yes, House Flipper is back. I played the demo for this a few months ago during the Steam Next Fest. Seemed like there's some new interesting ideas in there. Played a lot of the first House Flipper. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whether or not I'm going to actually jump into this, we'll see. But uh, it's cool that it exists. I'm cool that House Flipper, I think it's cool that House Flipper is back. Flip more houses you will never actually own. (laughs) All right, let's take a look then at video game news and... We're going to start with the Game Awards. Indeed. All right. Yep, they happened. We watched them. And your big winner of the night is... uh, Disappointment. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just just kidding. All right. Baldur's Gate 3 won Game of the Year. Yes, it did. Uh, Congratulations. Uh, Your other big winner was Alan Wake. Congratulations. Uh, But... There were other major announcements during the Game Awards, which included God of War Ragnarok DLC. Yes. Which we'll talk about in a bit here. Yes, you will. Um, a game called Exodus, starring Matthew McConaughey. Hey, hey. <laughs> uh, Big Walk from House House. Which are the developers of the Untitled Goose game, in case you're wondering. Mm-hmm. Um, the casting of Frank Stone, uh, which is a supermassive game based in Dead by Daylight universe. Yes. Uh, we also had Visions of Mana coming back uh, in that Mana legacy. Correct. Yes. Uh, five. There are five new Sega reboots announced in a very mishmash, yeah. hyper-focused Sega. Hey, don't forget about us, yeah. including. Crazy Taxi? Yeah, Crazy Taxi, Jet Grind Radio, Shinobi. Like, weird, weird that they're doing all of the gold, Golden Axe. They're doing all of them at once, which is really strange. But sure, mm-hmm. why not? Uh, we also had confirmation that Arcane would indeed be making a Marvel game called Marvel's Blade, set, I believe, in France. A French game. Yeah, looks like it. Uh, then there's also the three, albeit big announcements. Uh, first one being Light No Fire, uh, coming from No Man's Sky developer. Hello, games. <laughs> they gotta do the Barbie voice. Hello, games. <laughs> uh, and then we have uh, Monster Hunter Wilds official, yes. um, first look at that. Uh, not direct sequel, but as we talked about in video games, uh, following in the footsteps of the uh, mobile release from Monster Hunter. And then, because Jeff Keighley is super good friends with Kojima, he brought him out, and then he decided to bring out director extraordinaire and comedian at one time, Jordan Peele, to discuss their new game, OD. Yeah. They should tell you nothing about it other than it's a super unique experience and nothing that you've ever seen before. But where yeah. have I heard that before? <laughs> so let's start with OD. That's a good place to start. Um, 
This was interesting because it does appear to be built around the footage of a bunch of actors that Kojima presumably just threw a camera in front of and just had them emote and mm -hmm. say a bunch of dialogue. It seems like it's going to be both, I think they described it as both a game and a film. So it's just, so it's going to be largely based on those performances. My mind kind of went to stuff like Immortality, like stuff that um, that uh, they've been doing over there. Uh, but maybe it's something else. Maybe there's more to it than that. I don't know. Remains to be seen. Notable that Xbox Game Studios is publishing this. So this is likely to be a Microsoft exclusive. So you won't see this on Sony's platforms. That's important to note here. They mm -hmm. must have financed it, which they had previously spoken about, because I guess in some capacity, it uses the cloud gaming stuff, like running under the hood. Not really sure how or why you'd need that, but that's supposedly what's happening here. So this actually is the payoff for those rumors that we heard a couple of years ago about Kojima doing a horror game with Microsoft. This is that. So, in a way, this was kind of a long time coming. As for Jordan Peele's involvement, I mean, I guess that's pretty cool. I mean, say what you will about his uh, career trajectory since Get Out, but he is an Academy Award winner. Keep that in mind. And it is neat to have him involved in a video game, whatever this may be. So, yeah, OD sounds interesting. Um, not sure yet. I mean, Jordan Peele's last film was Nope. Yeah. I think that was last year. Yeah, that, sure that was, was last year. That was last year. Yeah. Um, but his Monkey Prop Productions has still been putting out um, other horror films as well, just with him as a producer. Right. Because it's backed by the studio. No direct involvement from Jordan Peele. Right. So, hey, he has time, I guess, to work on something this this nutty. Mm -hmm. um, as for other highlights for me of the night, uh, Light No Fire looks really, really cool, although I'm sure it's very early in development. I remember seeing, it kind of reminded me of that feeling that everybody got when they first saw No Man's Sky, which was like, wait, you can't really be doing this much in one game, right? And it's funny to have it, again, from the same people, that same vibe. Mm -hmm. I was like, seems like a cool idea. There's giant dragons you're flying on and making settlements and like, you can just see something on the horizon and eventually get there from presumably like days of traveling just like you would if you were really traversing a real planet it's just wild to think about what that game could be when it's actually released and the fact that a, game, a team of 12 is working on it is just incredible <laughs> so uh yeah that's probably the one game that i was very interested in seeing because it did feel like a society game kind of like the Sky, but instead of being like the multiple planets Everyone's going to more or less start off in the same world and you build yeah. from there community wise. Yeah. Then, as for other um, um, announcements, one that's not on here that was actually my highlight of the night was the new Don't Nod uh, uh, a narrative mm -hmm. adventure game, Lost Records, which uh, seems to be, well, exactly in my wheelhouse, let's say. <laughs> So I'm very excited to see what that is. I mean, the fact that they're that the Don't Nod team is returning to a narrative adventure game again seems really awesome to me in the first place. And to see them go back to like a mid-90s, like bunch of female friends discovering something supernatural seems like a really cool hook. So I'm ready. There's also the time jump forward. Yeah. A la very yellow it. jackets. 
or JL jackets or yeah. it uh yeah. where you have both a story that takes place in the present and in the past right so they could do some stuff interesting stuff with that game um yeah. looking forward to that one but that's late next year so it's a bit to wait for sure um my yeah. surprise highlight was the announcement of Final Fantasy 16 DLC. Yes. I was not expecting that to happen, but we'll talk about that in a bit here. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a moment. Last thing I'll say about um, the Game Awards overall, though, and yeah, just to reiterate the point that everybody made, is people have completely lost the plot about what they think this is and what they want it to be. It's very important you go into the Game Awards remembering this is a bunch of commercials and in between, there are the occasional award. People have been taking these awards way too seriously, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily think it's those people's fault 100%. It's also Jeff Keighley out here making it seem like it's a bigger and more important event, awards event, than it really is. Yeah, they didn't actually acknowledge any of the layoffs in the industry. They didn't let developers speak longer than 30 seconds because of a newly instituted timer that was to make up for last year's speeches who went way too long. It seemed like you, Christopher Judge, you caused this. You caused this. It was an overcorrection, one that Jeff Keighley admitted on Twitter later that he agreed that it did seem too short at first and over the course of the night they tried to extend it. I still think it was too short by the end of it you got to let these developers talk if you're going to take these awards seriously. If you're not going to take these awards seriously, let us know so that way we can prepare. Because I think that is what caused this weird conversation that happened after the show, which was so focused on, well, why didn't you let anybody talk? Why didn't we celebrate game development? Is that what this is for? Are we celebrating game development? Or are we? is this just a vehicle for ads? We need to choose a lane. Well, especially when you have that segment right in the middle where you rattle off five different awards. Right. Just just Jeff Keighley just fires off like, congratulations. And the winner is, congratulations. And the winner is, congratulations. <laughs> now on to the next segment here with Gonzo. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was awkward. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, I hope they take some of this to heart next year, but who knows? Who knows? Any last words about uh, the Game Awards? I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, I mean, the fact that we aren't really even talking about the awards says a lot. There were mm-hmm. awards given out. Congratulations to Baldur's Gate, I guess. But really, they were pretty forgettable. Did it make you want to go on and get Baldur's Gate now? I mean, I've been wanting to play that. Not because of the Game Awards, but because of just how effusively some people have been talking about that game. It's definitely on my list. Um and that now it's on now it's out on Xbox, which is great because that's probably where I play it. Um, so I guess I waited long enough. But uh, yeah, uh, it seems cool. Uh, and yeah, it might be cool to ch- to check out. All right. Well, you can play it, but you can't change your list. <laughs> it's true. No. As our lists are in stone now. They've been recorded. Yes, our end of the year game lists yes. uh, for video games has been in stone. It's been recorded. You can listen to it right now. Well, <laughs> after this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Don't wait, wait until this is over. Also, if you <laughs> want to see the write-ups that we did for them, check it out on mediabookpodcast.com. They are up now, and you can read and see my fancy graphics. Yes, you actually finally got me to write something for the website. Yes, God forbid. It took a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. 
Anyways, hey, there's other stuff that happened that we have to wrap up in the gaming bits, including Google has lost its antitrust trial to Epic in a decision that could have major ramifications for app stores in the future. Yeah, this is interesting. This is slightly different than the Apple ruling. They Mm -hmm. actually did have two suits going at once, the Apple suit and the Google suit. So this does make it an interesting conversation and kind of ties into our conversation that we had in our games wrap-up episode just recently, where we're talking about the possibility of a Microsoft app store kind of wiggling its way into an ecosystem. Well, here you go. The runway is spread in front of them. Android is soon, if the courts have their way, going to become a democratized place for all sorts of different app stores. So the Google store is not going to be the only game in town very soon here because of what Epic has done here. Now, will you have to download the Epic Games store from from Epic Games itself and not from the Google store? You might have to, as long as Google, like, and at the same time as Google making adjustments to their store to allow more flexibility with payment methods. Mm-hmm. So I think both will happen. I think you will see Epic and Microsoft and whoever else wants to get their toes in here to establish their own stores. Well, Samsung already has its own like Samsung store whenever you get a Samsung phone because they want right. you to get within their own ecosystem in the I same way Apple does. Yeah, I wonder if those are grandfathered in because it's the manufacturer as right. opposed to anything else. So, yeah, a lot of options coming soon, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, we uh, Other bits, we also have Embracer. Uh, finally confirms closure of Time Splitter Studio, Freddy Radical. Yeah. And this puts an end end date on Studio Free Radical. Yeah, this had been tossing around for the last couple of months. It seemed like this was an inevitability. And here it is, the other shoe dropping. Free Radical, in case you're wondering, they made the Time Splitters games. They're actually made of a bunch of ex-rare people who worked at on GoldenEye 007 way, way, way back in 1997. So that's where that DNA was, in case you're wondering. And yeah, the studio had been pretty quiet. There had been rumblings a few years back about a Time Splitters reboot, but it never happened. And now it probably will never happen. So RIP Free Radical. RIP indeed. Hey, and speaking of things that are dead as a doornail, <laughs> our last bit of gaming news. Bring out your black armbands. Yes. Bring out your black suit. It's officially <laughs> here. Yeah. Ding dong. Ding dong. E3 is officially dead. Yeah. The organizers have confirmed. They finally decided to stop beating the dead horse and just let it lie. E3 or the shambling zombie corpse of E3, which has been assembled essentially since the pandemic started, is now officially dead and gone. Um, so yeah, uh, we can officially say from 1995 to, to, uh, to 2023 is where it lasted as a brand. It is no longer going to happen, which means Jeff Keighley gets the award, um, gets to hold the only get-together in Los Angeles in Summer Games Fest. With Summer yep. Game Fest, it becomes, it inherits the E3 slot officially now. Uh, so it's all his uh, to do whatever he wants with it. I mean, it didn't really matter in the first place because one of the reasons why this happened was because all the major studios decided to do their own streams. They no longer needed to rent a theater 
in Los Angeles to be there on the show floor that's not necessary anymore. So voila, E3 doesn't have a reason to exist. There's no reason for it. And so you kind of don't need it. Yeah, I mean, 20, almost 30 years, 28 years of uh, E3 coverage. And here lies the dead corpse. <laughs> Thank you, COVID. And most likely probably Nintendo for their treehouse <laughs> and leading I mean, that charge. Nintendo did have a big effect on it. COVID also had a big effect on it. But don't forget, even before COVID in 2018 and 2019, E3 was already kind of slowing down. You saw a lot of major studios pull support. You also had that data breach that put out home addresses and phone numbers for a lot of media personnel. That was, I think, 18, I want to say, 2018. And that was a disaster in its own right. So the ESA, the body that owns and operated E3 back in the day, was already building like digging its own grave for this thing it was already slowing down and then the pandemic just put the last couple of nails in the coffin so yeah i don't think it'll be missed i think there will be people who are nostalgia about the largesse of it when it was the biggest event in town and when there were all those parties and a crowded show floor and big press conference announcements yeah there probably is some nostalgia to be had about that stuff but Paired with that is all the stress and how hard it was to report from the show floor and and all the disappointing like events and all the you know awkward celebrity uh, tie-ins and terrible. Hey, Keanu Reeves coming out and <laughs> appearing on stage is still a great moment. That was that was not E three. That was not E three. No. You're thinking of Summer Games Fest. Maybe. <laughs> See, already our recent yes. history has been taken it's, over it's by over. Summer Games Fest because that's now the prominent thing, even the last couple of years. So yeah, E3 has lost all cultural relevancy, so it doesn't need to exist anymore. Let's just let's just move on, forget about it, and just have the uh wonderful 4K uploads of all those old shows that um uh, companies like Noclip are putting up on YouTube. Just enjoy that we still have pieces of the old E3 that we can enjoy at any time. <laughs> I um, in, just to as tips for people who are late to this industry and missed some of these amazing press conferences. I rec here's a few I recommend. I recommend um, Sony's Wii. Sony's 2006 press conference with the mm -hmm. PS3 uh, price. That's a yes. classic. Um, the Wii ones are all pretty good. The one with me, Wii Music and Robbie Drums is pretty excellent. I also recommend the first Xbox Connect um, showcase where they have the kid awkwardly playing connectables and the, what the bottom of an avatar shoe looks like. That one's mm -hmm. great. Um, yeah, there's some classic E3 press conferences. Even going back to the 90s, if you watch the first one, the first PlayStation press conference, that one's fascinating because... Literally all it is is one of the executives goes up to the stage to announce the price of the PlayStation. Note, earlier in the day, Sega had announced the price of the Saturn. Sony decided to use their stage time to undercut the Saturn's price by $100 and just say the price, leave the stage. And that was your press conference. Man, <laughs> can't do that anymore, folks. 
<laughs> so yeah, there's some real great moments that have all that they, that you can mostly find on YouTube. I recommend doing a search if you want to relive some of that. But otherwise, I think we're moving to greener pastures without E3. I don't think it needs to exist anymore. If by green you mean more digital, then yes. Yes, that too. All right. Uh, any other gaming bits to talk about? I think that was pretty much it. Uh, you had mentioned that there was a story going around about a studio that had closed down before they even released a game or something like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you have more information about that, but I didn't see that story. But uh, Let's see here. I have the name right here. It is uh, F-Fantastic. F-Fantastic. Studio F-Fantastic. Um, uh, studio behind the day before game which oh, just released its before. beta okay um after the day after it released its beta announced it was closing its studios okay that's not great um yeah but deuces of inner sleuthing and a couple days later may or may not actually be closing the studio at least they're closing the name at fantastic and just mm-hmm. might be reverting the branding back to what it was before which I think is uh eight bit gaming. Oh, or nice. eight points. Eight points. So weird story. <laughs> yeah, weird, weird story. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Let's get into what we've been playing, because yes. believe it or not, we've been playing a couple games. Yeah, we played a few games. Um, since you kind of teased them during our talk about the game awards. Why don't you talk about a double dose of DLC that you experienced this week? Yes, because I was not expecting either of these things to happen. But thanks to the Game Awards, they dropped right up my alley. Technically, both of them are my Game of the Years. So I had to get the DLC. (laughs) So I want to start with Final Fantasy 16, as that is the current game from this year, 2023, with new DLC. Uh, Echoes of the Fallen as part one of a DLC pack with the actual like true DLC area coming next year. Yes. So Echoes of the Fallen technically counts as DLC, but it's more of an additional level than it is an actual like expansion of the game. Uh, what Echoes of the Fallen does is that it actually allows you to have a more souped-up companionship with your entire party that the original game kind of doesn't allow for. Because mm. if you go through all the quests and all the side quests from the original game, by the time you get to the very end, and you have you um, and spoilers of your brother, your dog, and your girlfriend all <laughs> there, like all in your single party, by the time you get to that ending... There's only maybe one or two actual like side quests that you could probably do. So it feels kind of short of, oh, I have my entire party with me. <laughs> but then who am I going to fight? What quest are we going to go on? Because when you go to the main like actual ending of the game, you, they don't really come. Because that's like a preset like stage and fight stuff. So this at least gives you more reason to have them in the party. You also can't unlock this... Uh, bonus DLC until you have them in your party. So that's actually a really good thing that they did. They like they recognize it. Oh, 
good. Like we want to have more interactions with with uh, your entire party. It also expands a little bit on the lore. It is technically a whole level. Um, I did my entire playthrough in about two hours with cutscene. I uh, streamed that on Twitch. It's there for the archives currently. If you'd like to go watch it, uh, but it does move pretty fast. It doesn't really expand a as much on the lore of Final Fantasy 16 as I kind of expected or kind of wanted. Um, but then again, this standalone level is only $10. So for the price, yeah, it gives you more of what you want, uh, which is yeah. higher boss battles, higher gear, higher level cap, and an actual like challenge in that coincides with the finale mm. of the fights. But because of the way the game is set up, you can actually continuously run through that same story scenario in arcade mode. So it gives everyone uh, that really loves the game, like I do, that additional bonus challenge that it's not just a one and done. You can run through it as many times as you want. Well, that's cool. I mean, $10 seems like nothing for if you really enjoyed that game and want a little more of it. Well, yeah, but that's why I bought the pack. So I'm waiting for the (laughs) other part to drop. Right, which right, will probably exactly. twenty dollars. Um, the uh the DLC combo pack twenty five dollars. Uh, okay. assumption is that the next uh, uh big land area is going to be twenty. So instead of buying it individually at ten now and twenty later, you can get twenty five now, five dollar discount for both uh, DLCs. Okay, so cool. Yeah, cool. But if you didn't want to spend any money. <laughs> I mean, like I tend to do for most games, then do and you really enjoyed last year's game of the year for media podcast for better or for worse. <laughs> I don't care what you say; it still is God of War Ragnarok. Well, much to everyone's surprise, we actually got free DLC. That's right, free DLC for God of War Ragnarok. You don't have to pay for this; you can download it from the PlayStation Store and play it. Um, this is God of War called Ragnarok Valhalla. Yes. And it is one of the games or one of the types of games that I really, really, really don't like. <laughs> and I express just how much I don't like this kind of game yes. uh, during our year in wrap up. Except Every when it's except when it's in Hades. Yes, except <laughs> when it's in Hades. Uh, because that is technically Greek mythology. And hey, I guess. Kratos is Greek mythology, so I guess that's my one caveat. If you make a Greek mythology roguelite, then that is, like, right up my alley. And so that's what God of War Ragnarok Valhalla is. It's its own separate uh, entity from the base game. Meaning, you don't have to play the actual game to enjoy Valhalla. That being said, you pretty much should play the game before you play Valhalla. Uh, It does act as uh, end game DLC um, wherein you have every part of your uh, armor and abilities souped up already automatically. It's assumed that you 100%ed the game. <laughs> yes, hey, why wouldn't you? And then it sets you <laughs> off into a rogue-like scenario in Valhalla, the uh, fighting afterlife for uh, Norse mythology. And each encounter is different and unique. Each chest that you open at the end of each counter is different and unique, depending on your play style. Uh, 
Uh, also, depending if you're trying to 100% it, because there are certain goals of, hey, you must complete a run with all of one of each weapon, of one of each perk, of one of each rage, of one of each blah, 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 counter, um, shield, what have you. So it does lend itself to multiple playthroughs, but as I just got done streaming earlier today, it actually doesn't go just into uh, the backstory kind of afterlife of Kratos through God of War uh, 2018 and God of War Ragnarok in Norse mythology. There's actual elements from the original Greek uh, trilogy as well in God of Wars 1, 2, and 3 um, from 20, 2006, I want to say. 2006, 2007, and 2010 uh, from God of War 3. There's elements from there that are thrown into here as the story, because there's an actual story in here, believe it or not, um, delves into Kratos' being of the title of God of War, what he's done to earn that title, what he's going to do to possibly retain the title and what it means to be a god of war mm -hmm. so it sounds like there's a surprising amount of like story content and lore content for something that's ostensibly a roguelite mode the fact that it's a roguelite road set in Norse mythology and then getting thrown back to greek mythology with <laughs> greek characters showing up Right. Spoiler like, and unspoiler. Like a full like circle the first moment hour. for the franchise, right? Like yeah. A little it, bit. One, it took me by surprise that that's where it was going. And two, I was like, whoa, I like where this is going. Thank you for like acknowledging like his past yeah. and bringing that to his present. Because those lines and like him talking about his Greek mythology and his like Greek background from the first three games. Uh, more than just those three base games, also like including the um, side games as well, are mentioned and littered throughout um, both God of War 2018 and God of War Ragnarok. But to see it like actually come to fruition and to like life, more or less, like seeing it like actually influence him and some of those choices that he made or you were forced to make in that game, yeah, um, come back and be like, hey, remember when you did this? Like, yeah, we don't really know if that was the right call or not now, do we? <laughs> you God of War murderer, you. <laughs> uh, so it brings a lot of that to light. And I think it's really great. I think it's like a really, really good surprise. One that we haven't used DLC, but also that they're actually like taking their time to harken back to those older games and draw direct inspiration from his Greek heritage. Okay. So is this going to possibly be like a bridge to whatever the next thing they do with the God of War franchise? Unsure, because okay. Valhalla itself is an afterlife, so hmm. technically in order to get there, you must have died in battle to get <laughs> to Valhalla. Right, and that has not happened. What do you mean? Right... Well, yes, Kratos has died multiple deaths well, yes, throughout the series. Yes, so kind of? Well, okay, so I get what you're trying to get at, but technically his deaths in canon, assuming you played the game, assuming you played all games and with zero deaths, 
technically his canonicity death happens at the beginning of God of War 2. And technically God of War 3 because he goes through hell twice, two or three times in those Greek games. He doesn't really do it in the uh, Norse mythology era, although he does go to Helheim several times. So technically that is... I don't know. I don't know. Death. <laughs> Who can say? <laughs> yeah, anyway. God of War, Ragnarok, Valhalla. Uh, it's free for uh, God of War, Ragnarok. Now for the PlayStation Store. I don't when you finish the game base game first before playing this one because it starts off right away with some like heavy more or less spoilers also if you've never played those original games some of the stuff might be like way over your head and you might be lost like what am i what is this yeah so play those original games um combat may feel dated but the story still is a good one to be told all right well, sounds like it's a couple of uh, welcome surprises then uh, for yeah, you. Yeah, and that's why weekend. God of War Ragnarok and God of War Ragnarok Valhalla, God of War Ragnarok the, uh, New Game Plus is my game of the year. Ah, for no, no, we already did this. We already did that. Listen to that podcast if you want that. <laughs> Meanwhile, to all of that, I also played a free game. A free game that got a lot of updates over the last week. Uh, Yeah, this is the expansion yes of fortnite the big bang has happened in the fortnite world and there are new modes to play around in there are actually three new modes um there is the lego mode the rocket racing mode and the festival mode i have not played the lego stuff not for me (laughs) i'm just gonna leave that for the kids but I did give a shot both the festival and the rock, uh, rocket racing modes. And um, I'm actually surprised with how fun both of those are. Uh, they've done a pretty decent job of getting people who don't really love Battle Royale reason to download and install and play Fortnite. They're very viable, interesting modes with a lot to play around in. Um, I'll start with festival as it's kind of the meteor of the two, in my opinion. It's developed by Harmonix, so yes, it's a rock band-esque. In in fact, you are choosing instruments, you are selecting songs. Of course, you're not playing with the plastic instrument, more on that later. Uh, But you are playing a rock band-esque, track-based rhythm game with other people on the internet. And it immediately feels like a rock band game. Immediately you jump in, and as long as you know what to expect, you're hitting those buttons on the beat, you're holding to sustain notes right away, and to a rotating cast of songs that are all pretty recent, that are all pretty relevant. Right now, The weekend is the big push, so there's a lot of weekend songs involved. There's a bunch of weekend skins that you can get to play in all the modes. And yes... All of your skins that you already have bought or unlocked in Battle Royale mode, come over to this mode. So you can have a Peter Griffin singing with an Ariana Grande on guitar or with, um, with, uh, I don't know, uh, LeBron James on drums. Like it can get ridiculous with Jack Skellington on like on lead guitar. It's a weird thing. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, or, you know, you could just be normal and have Ariana Grande and The Weeknd yeah. sing the song. <laughs> you could do that. But trust me, there's going to be a lot more bananas up there uh, than there are going to be actual people. There's going to there's some weird skins there in the Fortnite universe, and you're going to see them all. One slight caveat about the uh, festival mode. As you might guess, since you don't have a plastic instrument, it relies on some sort of intuitive or not so intuitive button mapping for you to, like, tap along with. Because it's a five-note track, you need five buttons to be mapped in you whatever way you deem, like, comfortable. Well, there's a learning curve to that. The default has left and right as the the, the two left lanes, and then X, Y, and B as the remaining three. The logic, of course, is you're moving across left to right on the controller itself. I kind of had some difficulty learning that just out of the gate. I was like, wait, uh, which one? Ah, oops, I pressed the wrong direction, and... I kind of messed up a lot, um, and it did take me a while to get used to that. Though, because it's Fortnite, you can remap those buttons to what something that you feel more comfortable with, including the button that activates overdrive. So you can customize it if there's a way that you can envision on a controller that makes more sense with you. Also, if you're playing on PC, you could just map it to five keys on the keyboard and you're golden. That might be the way to go if you're a PC player. So there's some flexibility there, but I just want to warn people that if you stick with the default, it might be a little difficult to jump right in and have some fun. But once you get it, it is a blast. And you can choose up to four songs for a playlist. So the four of you, you and three strangers or friends, if you can lobby up, like can just kind of go and have fun and start playing music. And there's not even limits about who can play what instruments. You can have four vocalists. You can have three bassists and a vocalist. You can have any kind of combination of those four instruments. And the difficulties, just like in Rock Band, go from easy to expert, the more notes as you get in the harder modes. And you're earning stuff just like you would if you were playing the Battle Royale mode. So you're leveling up. You're getting experience for your same leveling system as all the, like just one season pass for all of it. So the songs. This is going to come up with a lot of people because, as as I mentioned earlier, right now, it's set up for a free rotating set of songs that everybody can play and have access to. If you want to play a certain song when it's not on the rotation, you have to purchase it. And this is where people have a little bit of an issue with this. Right now, the songs are on the store for 500 V-Bucks each, which is even more expensive than the $2 songs on a rock band store. So just keep in mind, if you want to continuously buy a lot of songs from the store for use in Fortnite Festival, you're going to have to hand over a lot of real-world money to do that. There is a Season Pass-esque Festival Pass where you can have access to that season's whole library, but it's pricey. It's twice as much as the Season Pass for the Battle Royale. So just no going in that they had to pay for that music licensing, and they're going to make you pay for it, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting, and it's pretty fun for what it is, and it gives me hope that in, a, like, almost like this alternate universe where everybody was yelling at harmonics for so many years, just make Rock Band a subscription. Well, they finally did it. It's just in Fortnite. 
and not in Rock Band. Womp womp. Then Rocket Racing is the other mode I tried, and yeah, it is what you think it is. It's a racing mode developed by the developers of Rocket League. So you kind of have that floaty, kind of fast-paced um, car design and that racing model, but in a racing game proper. And so far, there's only two uh, courses. I don't know if there's only two courses right now, but there's only two courses that I played I, in the four or five different races I raced. And uh, there's a little bit of a um, a Ridge Racer-style um, um, drifting around turns Um there's some other cool like like element to it which does make like a real sense of speed when you're coming around a corner and there's also a unique as far as I know um uh turbo mechanic where you're not just hitting it once you're also hitting it kind of like timing it like a, almost like an active reload from Gears of War a second time to further your turbo boost and there's also some mid-air stuff that you can do not too dissimilar to Rocket League's where you can kind of feather the A button to stay in the air if you're trying to traverse a long gap. Uh, there's a tutorial that walks you through all of this and makes it pretty simple. And just like the Battle Royale mode, you'll only race against bots for the first five levels. So once that passes, once you've had your time, we're like, man, I'm really good at this. I keep getting first place. Then you'll get tossed into the pool with everybody else and then start <laughs> losing. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good foundation i think you're also there's cosmetics for the cars as you might imagine so you can start really customizing your ride in different ways um yeah there's a lot they could do with that mode and there's a lot of potential to it um so i'm interested to in seeing where they take it but yeah it may or may not have reopened that uh uh fortnite for me and maybe i'll jump back in uh for a little bit uh just to try out really what these new modes have to offer so, now, can you see your different skins driving the cars, or is it a hooded vehicle? It is. Maybe it depends on the vehicle. I had a vehicle where my avatar was completely hidden. There might be some convertible options later where you can actually see them, which makes it a little less fun if you care about the skins than Festival is, because you're going to mm -hmm. see those skins right up front. Yeah, you're going to lose the skins unless you really go heavy on customizing the vehicles. I think that's what they're trying to do there. They're trying to incentivize you. Well, yeah, you can drive with your favorite driver, but really what you want to see is your cool souped-up car. And so, yeah, each of those modes has its own incentive to monetize you further, uh, which, yeah, depending on how you look at it, is a little nefarious, but not really, because some of the stuff that you unlock for Festival can be used in Battle Royale and vice versa. There's enough interchangeable parts there where it still feels like there is one Fortnite progression that affects all of the modes, as opposed to four different progression modes all competing with each other. From what I understand about the Lego stuff, Lego stuff is another a different, different, uh, uh, st like different lane that you can kind of take, and yet it seems to be the most successful. I checked the lobbies earlier. Right now, the Lego mode has twice as many as all three of the other modes combined active players right now. Lego is huge. I mean, Lego is everywhere, and yeah, yeah. it sounds like Epic made a the right deal with Lego to get people yeah. back into Fortnite. I mean, it's really smart, right? Think about it. 
what is Minecraft but Legos? They're not really Legos. So why not make Minecraft in Fortnite with the Lego license? It's brilliant. Because you it's, already have the build yeah. element in right. uh, the Battle Royale. Yeah, it's, it was a brilliant move um, that they should be commended for. But yeah, and honestly, the audience is already showing up for it. So congratulations to them. However, yes, none of this will change your mind about Fortnite, I think, if you're still adamantly against the idea of the meta of it being a metaverse where every character talks to every character if that still turns you off this is not going to change your mind but the new gameplay options at least have a little bit of an incentive for people who just aren't there for the battle royale stuff so check it out it's free uh it does sound like i wish there was more track options there might be in the future is the thing or maybe just stick to disney's it- store Maybe is it just racing around the the uh, Fortnite island? No, these are these are like like created bespoke race courses. Okay, yeah. From from what I can tell, I don't have a whole lot of Fortnite location knowledge, but from what I can tell, that this these are not in zones of the existing islands. But maybe they can be. Maybe there will. Maybe that will happen. Maybe it does, and you just don't know it. Maybe. Anyway, that's uh, Fortnite. Looking it up, uh, looking it up real quick uh, for Fortnite Festival, 34 songs available to choose yeah. from. So that's a good some, selection. There's some good ones in there right now. There's um, uh, Mr. Brightside by The Killers. There's Vampire yeah. by Olivia Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they've got some, and like I said, those weekend tracks. So, yeah, there's a pretty good variety right now. All right, uh, let's see here. Do you play anything else? Uh, That's it for me. So in that case, then, if that's all we got for video games, we can safely move on to the next segment, which is television. And we always start television with the sports corner. Sports on my shirt. You're probably wondering, are we going to get to it? Yes, we'll get to it. But before we get to that... Let's talk about the rest of the sports world, starting with the Lakers winning the inaugural NBA in-season tournament. Do you think this was earned? Um, yes. I think it was a interesting concept. I mean, they did it so that way, one, LeBron can get another trophy. But two, um, that since both uh, NBA players are, quote-unquote, fresh at the beginning of the season, rather than being worn down from 80 games to the postseason, that this is another way to say, hey, these really are the best teams, rather than the um, postseason as the more longevity of the teams. Right. Because one thing that, especially in fantasy uh, sports, that always kills a team, no matter how good they are, is injuries. Yeah. It does happen. So if your team is good, and you're going good, but then you get hit with a bunch of injuries, all of a sudden, there goes your season. And so the in-season tournament kind of supposed to help alleviate that. Right. Well, we'll see if it works. I mean, as the as the season goes on. But, uh, but hey, it did get me to actually watch the uh, in-season finale, so... I mean, that's the thing. I think part of it was to get more incentivized people to watch earlier in the season instead of just waiting for the last few weeks. Yep. So, so yeah, on that on that wavelength, it worked, it sounded like. Yes, yes, it did. Meanwhile, we go to college football, in which, as we mentioned last week, 
the Heisman Trophy has been determined. It will go to quarterback Jaden Daniels of LSU. He's led all FBS players in QBR, which stands for, help me out, quarterback rating. Quarterback rating at 95.7. Also in yards per attempt, 11.7, which is an FBS record. And passing touchdowns with 40 of them, as well as completions of 20 yards or more, 70. So, uh, do you think this was the right choice? Uh, no. (laughs) I still think Michael Penix Jr. should have won it because he's actually won on a good team, and two, (laughs) going to be playing for a national championship. Right. uh, Rather than uh, LSU quarterback Gene Daniels, who didn't even wield his team to the SEC championship. No. They are number 13 with a 9-3 and record. How dare you give it to someone who who garnered three losses and not to the undefeated quarterbacks? Well, will we as a society forget about Jaden Daniels? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yes, because Jaden Daniels would only have this high QBR rating and yards per attempt and passing down records if it wasn't for uh, Malik Neighbors, the star wide receiver at LSU, who didn't even get nominated. <laughs> oh, well. Well, what are you gonna and do? if you're going to say, hey, the QB is really good, you might as well look at the receivers. And in that case, you might as well always give the award to the receivers because Marvin Harrison Jr. should have actually won this award because he was unstoppable. <laughs> well, we're not digging up old battles here. No, no, this is the current battle. Marvin Harrison oh. Jr., the son of oh. Marvin Harrison. Ah, my brain. I just went back in time for a second there. I know, right? <laughs> the junior is coming out. I believe he's declared. Oh, um, also in FPS uh, news, uh, Drake May of uh, University of North Carolina, officially the first quarterback to declare for the NFL draft. He will not play in his upcoming bowl game. He is expected to be a top five pick. Okay. Well, there you go. Look forward to those when we get to the draft later in the year, but yep. or next year. But for now... Let's move to hockey, where your own precious L.A. Kings have set a new record in the NHL. An 11-win start on the road in a single season. Yes, to start the season. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You have a 50-50 shot of winning each game, more or less, you know, stats and all that. But just assume you call heads or tails correct 11 <laughs> times in a row. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's how crazy this start is for 11-0 on the road. Uh, They went for the overall record uh, in a season, which is 12, but unfortunately lost. So Mm -hmm. that's where it ends. But yeah, the overall record for wins on the road is 12. Wow. uh, At any point during the season. This is the record for the start of the season at 11-0. Well... What is what do you think this means for the Kings? Do you think this is a an auspicious start to the season? Uh, I mean, I hope it means good things, but then again, they better start winning at home and have a good record at home as well. Right, you just go to someone else's both. home and declare it theirs. We need both <laughs> of those things, unfortunately. Yes. All right. Anything else in sports before we tackle our biggest story in the sports world today? Uh, in NFL news, there are three Saturday games. Um, 
because the upcoming Sunday games and then upcoming Christmas games on the following week, they need to give these teams enough time to, one, schedule both uh, broadcasting rights, right. but also give uh, teams enough rest between games. That makes um, sense. Also in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers have officially clinched the playoff berth. They're the first team. Congratulations, maybe. <laughs> um, that's only because of the remaining games that are left in the season. No one else in that division can catch them. Okay. So they uh, get the berth. Um, talked about the, and then in unfortunate news, both the Carolina Panthers and the New England Patriots, the first two teams to officially be mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. Okay. And this is also the earliest exit for Bill Belichick as the Patriots head coach. Yeah. Oh. Alrighty. Well, with that, we must move on. All right. Yes. Uh, wasn't there also something else that happened earlier this week in sports? Yeah. There was one thing. There were some rumblings, you know, a um, huge signing. <laughs> Again, you know, whether or not there was a some pl- trying to track a plane that was going to Toronto. Uh, we were and... all tracking that plane. <laughs> Everyone was tracking that plane. And whether or not, uh, well, yes, what we're talking about is, of course, mm. Shohei Otani, who was... Real quick, breaking yes. news. Because breaking mentioning news. of the um, New England Patriots being eliminated from the playoffs, okay. there are rumors now swirling around that this will be Bill Belichick's last season coaching the New England Patriots. I would not be surprised. Allegedly, they started looking after their loss in Germany a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so this may be the end of the Belichick era. Oh, well. But hey, at least he lasted longer than Tom Brady in the league. So <laughs> I guess so. But at what cost? I guess at what cost? At what cost? Uh, <laughs> a Bailey, the cost of Bailey Zappi. That's what the cost was. <laughs> All right. Before we get sucked back into the black hole of football again, let's talk about, hey, we're talking about the Raiders. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, let's talk about baseball instead because yes, the biggest sports story of the week and probably of the year all like year as a whole, even though we're weeks away from the year being over, it was that big was Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani, you know, the way that we're used to hearing his name, um is now the highest one of the highest paid athletes in sports and is now the ho- highest paid athlete of all time in baseball. Because he has finally signed his brand new deal, which will be, in case you've been living under a rock and you haven't heard yet, a 10-year, $700 million contract with the Los Angeles Angels Dodgers. Damn it. No, didn't quite work out for the Angels, but nor did it work out for anybody else. (laughs) The contract is the largest in baseball history by more than $250 million, which, of course, tops the 12-year, $426.5 million deal that now former teammate Mike Trout signed in 2019. The $70 million average annual salary also easily eclipses the previous annual record of $43.3 million for Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. By the time the deal concludes in 2033, the $700 million deal alone will eclipse the total career earnings of other sport athletes, including Tiger Woods, at $157 million, LeBron James at $530 million, Mike Trout at $480 million, 
Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes? I almost said Mahomes. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Mahomes. At $500 million and Cristiano Ronaldo at $536 million. While there is no cap on MLB salaries, like those that exist in other professional sports leagues, teams are taxed when a player's salary exceeds the threshold, as in Otani's case. However, Otani knew this going into this, and he had a plan. He has agreed to defer all but $2 million of his annual salary. That's $68 million of that $70 million each year until after the completion of the contract. That means the deferred money will be paid out without interest from 2034 to 2043. At the current price, by the way, this is just a fun fact. The current price of a jersey at $175, the Dodgers would have to sell 4 million of those jerseys to cover that $700 million contract. And it just so happens to be 9 million people in the Los Angeles area alone. So if every other person goes out and (laughs) buys a Otani jersey this holiday season, they can easily make up that $700 million contract. So, all right. So let's start talking about this. So there's a lot of things to touch here. But the first thing that I want to talk about is what may have been. Because it seems like this deal was shopped around to several teams, not just the Dodgers. It seems like what people have been able to dig up is that the Giants saw this deal. The Dodgers obviously saw this deal. The Blue Jays probably saw this deal. So it ended up just being what everybody figured it was going to be, where Otani wanted to play. Los Angeles makes sense. He's already here. He doesn't have to move. The rest of the Japanese press that follows him around also don't have to relocate. Or potentially move their livelihoods away. It's one. It's the second biggest uh, audience for the sport in the U.S. The first, obviously, being the New York area. Mm-hmm. It all just made sense. There was no way. I was trying to explain this to some other people this week. There was no possible way it was any, going to be any team that wasn't the Dodgers. This was going to be the way it was going to be. It just depended on whether they would accept the deal that he was going to give them. And they accepted. The Dodgers had the money, and they agreed to the terms. So this was always going to happen. This was inevitable. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the overall contract was essentially the number. We knew it was going to be a long contract. Right. Even though he's coming off of double Tommy John surgery. Yes. Who knows if he's ever going to be able to pitch again. Right. Chances are if he's in LA, yeah, yeah, he's going to find some doctor to get him to pitch again. I mean, yes. Um, I think what you you bought here was a designated hitter. I think that's the thing to remember. And with the potential down the line that maybe he could pitch again, but in what capacity is still unknown. Maybe he can't be a starter anymore, but maybe you put him in as a closer a few years in the future. Like, Mm -hmm. there's some ways you can use him that we do not wear out that arm yeah right that cannot we saw him as closer in the world baseball classic this past year we did and he was great at it and so yeah so it goes to show you that the 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 potential is what you're buying here as well as the best designated hitter in the league so you're still getting your money's worth out of the deal yes 
while the Dodgers will definitely be getting their money's worth out of the deal, I'm not sure about the fans in the LA area because if they weren't already, the only way you can watch the LA Dodgers in and around the yeah. LA and Southern California area is to have Spectrum cable. So not yes. internet cable. That is Spectrum a, Sports Network. That is a big issue for a lot of people. A lot of people are going to want to watch these games here in LA. Makes sense. And the fact that you're going to be blocked out of that, a lot of people are going to be upset. That yeah, uh, even if you have like the MLB app right, and you are pay blacked for it. Out. Yeah, you're blacked out based on your location. Which means yeah. the league has the opportunity here to do the funniest thing possible to Spectrum, which is pull that blackout restriction in the 2024 season. If they do that, so many people will be so happy and it will bring people in flocks to MLB TV. Yes, it will. We'll, we'll see. It if will that definitely happens. get me to do it, at least. I was thinking about not re-upping my subscription this year, but right. maybe I could be convinced. Um, yeah, you have to also, get rid of those blackouts. So, yeah, I think that ultimately it made the most sense for Otani. It was a good move. I think it's a good move for the league. Also, it's a great move if you live in the Los Angeles metropolitan area, because we need the money and, and like to be put into actual infrastructure, and that could actually help us. So yeah, there's a lot of things that are actually that are they're good about this deal, but yes, it is sad to be an Angels fan and look at what we kind of had and the potential that we're losing here. Uh, that is kind of the one gray cloud in this. I think the story for at least for Angels fans. I mean it, it is, but at least he's close enough to where Angels fans can still go and support Otani. Yeah, if they want to spend like three times the amount of money that they spent to get a ticket at Angel Stadium. Yes. Uh, but it does mean that that um, freeway series now oh. comes with extra baggage. Yes, sold out already, I'm sure, for those single day tickets. So don't even try. Um, yeah, it's going to be brutal, those series. So prepare yourself. <laughs> but yeah, um, overall, though, um, it's an interesting deal and a new, yet another record to pin to Otani's, uh, like, Otani's already growing list of records in the league. Uh, and it's really going to, I think, bring a lot of people, a lot of interest to the game again this season, just to see what happens with when Otani is on a team that has a history of playoff appearances. I mean, now that's the goal, right? Get Otani yeah. a ring. Absolutely. I think that's the, that's his goal as well. I think he's been very clear about that. He wants to win. And this is a team that gives him the ability to win in a way that the Angels as an organization could not deliver on. All right. What they could deliver on is what I said before in our own side chat of what they should have done with Otani. Yes. And what he ended up doing anyways was give him the goddamn Bobby Bonilla deal. <laughs> that's what he's got, pretty much. It's true. That's, yeah, that's so ultimately In 10 happened. years' time, how much will $68 million actually be worth? Yeah. Mm. In 10 years' time, accounting for inflation here. Does that mean that $68 million is worth more then than it does now? You can ask that question, but oh, Tiny doesn't care because what he cares about is the game, and that's always what it's been. So this does not this deference plan does not surprise me in the least. He will live the same way he's always lived, and play maybe even better baseball than he's ever played. Who knows? 
Yeah. Who knows? Either way, we finally have the answer to the team Otani chooses. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Enough about that, though. Let's move into our second story about television, which involves an award show that nobody watches. In fact, and nobody wants to be yeah, at. <laughs> in fact, at this point, there is still no network that is signed up to air them. But uh, nonetheless, I believe CBS has signed up to air did it. Did they finally do that? Yeah. Okay. Well, regardless, the Golden Globes nominations were announced. But there's some questions that we still need answers for, including the big coveted award of hosting the event. That decision is still in the air. Chris Rock is among those to decline the offer to host the January 7th ceremony, as have at least four other A-list comedic actors. Other actors and comedians who have declined the invitation include Ali Wong, Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, and Jason Bateman. You see, the Golden Globes are still working to overcome that 2021 scandal within the previous Elmer, Hollywood Foreign Press Association, even though it has since been disbanded and the Golden Globes has new ownership with Dick Clark Productions. It's still a muddy name that nobody really wants to do, to do with, anything to do with. They want to leave the Golden Globes as a brand in the past. I do too. And But it is still happening. As for the nominations, Oppenheimer they, will compete yeah. in the top. Uh, saying the Golden Globe nominations themselves were announced yesterday on Monday. Yes. So while we do have nominations and the awards show will go through with both TV and movies being given out, we don't know who's going to host it, if there's going to be a host. They have done years where there has been no host, and that's just about what they end up, they end up doing. Right. Unless they want to call me right now, because I'll say yes. <laughs> I don't think they. I don't think we're high enough on their list. I think we might be on page seven hundred. So, anyway, um, as for the nominations, Oppenheimer will compete for the top drama prize alongside Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Anatomy of the Fall, The Zone of Interest, and Past Lives. For its counterpart, musical or comedy, Barbie will match against Air, American Fiction, Poor Things, The Holdovers, and inexplicably, May-December, which is not a comedy or a musical. You didn't laugh at the entirety of May-December? No, I did not. You didn't find it funny? We <laughs> talked about how hilarious that concept is. Uh, is it, though? <laughs> Is it though? Anyway, the Golden uh, Globes thinks it is. Well, the Golden Globes is funny in its own right, so maybe it. <laughs> um. So yeah, those are your. Uh, th- I get what to look forward to. Question mark to uh for the Golden Globes. I don't care enough. I I just don't know who cares about this. Uh, unsure at this point. Uh, <laughs> technically, because of the writer strike and actor strike, this does begin uh the award season because. Unlike most people, they don't really count the Gotham Awards, but we do here. <laughs> so uh, Golden Globes will kick off awards season for the new year, happening on the 7th, which is four weeks away. We'll see. One, two, three. Yeah. Just over three weeks away. Yeah. It's a quick turnaround time for those Globes, apparently. Yep. All right. With that, let's move on. Uh, did we have any television to talk about this week? Um. Still watching Julia, haven't finished that yet. Uh, started watching the uh, FX Hulu show Murder at the End of the World. Okay. Uh, murder Mystery starring Clive Owen. 
as a mysterious tech billionaire who takes a bunch of uh, high-profile celebrities and like clue-sleuthing people on a kind of a mystery getaway to the Arctic. Um, hmm. It's interesting. It's really high concept, especially with the people that they have um, and are talking about. At least the characters that they play are very high concept between like directors, um, like a director, uh, a clue, uh, like hacker kind of person, a like scientist as well. Like some of these like in universe high profile people getting this exclusive invitation to an Arctic retreat where dun, 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 a murder happens. <laughs> and yeah, the whole ride, it's a murder mystery. Well, interesting. It's, so Yeah, but it's shot in like that FX kind of like dark, kind of bleak kind of style. So it's interesting, but also I, it, it seems very like long and kind of sluggish. Uh, think of like what I talked about, like Class of 09. Mm-hmm. That same kind of like long, kind of drawn out beats to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that is kind of the FX style. Yeah, when it's I mean, not a 30 minute comedy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anything else? Uh, we didn't really talk about it, but The Golden Bachelor ended. Yeah, we didn't talk about it because I didn't watch the rest of it. Oh, you gave up on it? <laughs> yeah, I, we gave up on it, but we continued watching Bachelor in Paradise with it just wrapped up. But I don't need to talk about Bachelor in Paradise. Uh, okay. Apparently, The Golden Bachelor was so good that they're going to do it again. I mean, it seems to be a big success for ABC, yeah. Uh, yes. I reluctantly watched the whole of it, I would say. <laughs> well, surely you're going to save that for your la- end up, year-end wrap-up list for television that's happening on Sunday, right? You're going to talk, tell me all about how great The Golden Bachelor was and how it really touched you in your soul? Of course, in my old soul of mine. That's why I'm not talking about it here. Yes, uh uh-huh, totally. Yeah, listening can tune in and find out if he's bluffing or not. (laughs) Anyways, all right, let's move on. We got cancellations and renewals to talk about. What am I no longer watching? You're no longer watching Central Park on Apple TV+. Plus. That is, has been canceled after three seasons. Meanwhile, Freeform has canceled Cruel Summer after two seasons. Freeform has also canceled Good Trouble after five seasons. AMC has canceled Lucky Hank after just one season. ABC has canceled Station 19 after seven seasons. Long run, but couldn't couldn't quite keep going long enough. Uh, I mean, that's a spinoff from Grey's Anatomy. And mm-hmm. hey, Grey's Anatomy is still going. Yeah, so there you go. And then Stars has canceled Hightown after three seasons. Moving on to some renewals for y'all. Apple TV Plus is bringing back Foundation for a third season. Max has announced a second season of the Adventure Time spinoff Fiona and Cake. Prime Video is bringing back Leverage colon Redemption for a third season. Fox I is... thought I didn't know there was a second season for that. Well, there you go. You have some catch up to do on the Leverage. Yes, I do. Fox is bringing it back so you can you so you think you can dance for an 18th season. That Netflix, will be a summer show for yeah. sure. Netflix will award a new Squid Game winner in Squid Game the Challenge Season 2, which has been confirmed. Prime Video bringing back Harlem for a third season. 
MTV bringing back Jersey Shore colon Family Vacation for a seventh season. That's too much of that. Peacock will revive Twisted Metal for a second season. Apparently that first season did okay for them. Or they don't have anything else. Yeah, might be both. Netflix will bring back Blue-Eyed Samurai for a second season and Love is Blind for two more seasons, bringing it to seven so far. Yep, that sixth season will air just in time for Valentine's Day. Oh my god, I just saw one of these deaths for the first time. I actually didn't know it happened. Shit. Because that literally just happened. Jesus, okay. Read it as it is. We'll get there. That's okay. Well, so we have a couple of deaths to talk about. I guess I'll do that one first because I'm a little... I'm a little torn up. Uh, You're very shook right now. Yeah, I totally didn't expect that. I, I, I didn't. Wow. Okay. I, I know because I literally like typed it up as it happened. It says as of like five minutes ago. And I didn't scroll down to the the the, the sheet to see it, so I didn't see what was happening. Andre Brower, age fifty, age sixty-one, um, just apparently passed today. Uh, known for, of course, his role in Homicide: Life on the Street where he played a cop, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where he played a cop. Um, and yeah, and played the shit out of those cops. Um, yeah, definitely a, a great, great dramatic actor, but also proved in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, a great comedic actor. Uh, kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, just such a charming guy. Just a strong, intimidating presence. Just a such a iconic voice. Just like the whole package, really. Mm-hmm. And it's just... Man, yeah, that's a sad one uh, to see him go so young. Yeah, I was not expecting this one no. at all. I mean, 61 no. is young, uh, especially in terms of life of an actor. And he's like an established veteran in the acting right. world, too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's a that's a sad one. Uh, but taking the headlines in the television world this year, uh, this this week, Passing away at 101 years old, none other than television legend Norman Lear. He's, of course, a Hall of Fame TV writer and producer known best for All in the Family, Maude, The Jeffersons, pretty much every show that was a spinoff of All of the Family. Um, basically changed television, honestly, with the with the satire of All in the Family. Kind of retooled what a sitcom was capable of in the 70s, and it did create basically the template for sitcoms going into the 80s to the 90s to all the way to today. Um, It was penchant social commentary in an era that needed it. And yeah, if it wasn't for Norman Lear, I don't know if television comedy would have matured in that way and would have evolved in the way that it did. So yeah, an incredibly important figure in the history of the medium. Lots of groundbreaking topics, comments, commentary, uh, even showcase from those three uh, shows in and yeah. of themselves. Yeah, I mean, uh, 101, though, um, I mean, yes. Uh, obviously, this was not super surprising, given, yes, given but, his age. Yes, but given that we just did Audrey Brower at 61, yeah. that's why we say 61 is young compared to like someone like Norman Lear. Oh, yeah. 101. Uh, so, yeah, so there you go. Uh, he will definitely be missed. Both of them will be missed uh, for their each of their uh, contributions to television as a, as a form. So, uh, yeah. On that note, let's try to pivot into the movies section, where we always start with the weekend box office numbers. Let's start at the number one spot, where holding, oh, uh, debuting this week at number one, 
The Boy and the Heron with an impressive $12 million. That, of course, the Studio Ghibli film um, mm-hmm. in semi-limited release. Uh, not the widest, widest of the year, that's for sure. No, um, but it still, was the new film, but yeah, still also Studio, off. Studio Ghibli. This is the um, dub. Yes. Sorry, the sub. Dub. Dub. They're dubbing over. Yes, they Correct. dubbed it. Yes. With Robert Pattinson and a few other... Uh, yes, Florence Pugh. Right, uh, stars. So yeah, uh, congratulations. That's a really great debut, and it's cool to have a Ghibli movie premiered at number one in the U.S. box office. That is followed at number two by The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, with $9.2 million this week. That's at $135 million for the year. Number three, Godzilla Minus One, another Japanese import hitting the top five, with another $8.5 million. That's at $25 million domestic. Number four, Trolls Band Together, at $6 million this week. That's at $82. And rounding out your top five, Renaissance, a film by Beyonce, with another $5.4 million this week. That's sitting at $28 million total. And a far cry from what Taylor Swift the Airs Tour made. Yes, not even in the same ballpark, but uh, what can you do? Upcoming this week, we have one big release. Timothée Chalamet in Wonka premieres wide this weekend. So get to it. That is because Timothy Chalamet in Dune 2 was delayed. Yes. So, too bad. You get Wonka and you'll be happy. (laughs) You'll be happy with your chocolate. Yes. (laughs) Eat your chocolate and be happy. Um, Let's move into movie news. Our first story takes us to a familiar friend, A24. Warner Brothers Discovery has inked a multi-year U.S. output deal with A24, bringing their films to HBO, Max, and Cinemax, after their theatrical runs. The agreement comes after the expiration of A24's deal earlier this year with Paramount Global's Showtime, originally struck in 2019. Among the films to be available under this new deal are Sofia Coppola's biopic Priscilla, Sean Durkin's The Iron Claw, starring Zac Efron and Jeremy Allen White, and Christopher Borgili's comedy Dream Scenario, starring Nicolas Cage. In addition, the two companies extended their licensing deal for A24's library of movies on HBO and Max, including Oscar winner Everything Everywhere All at Once, Uncut Gems, The Whale, and Past Lives. So in case you're wondering where to see those A24 hits, get a Max subscription. And in case you were wondering why you couldn't watch them, (laughs) they were hidden away at Showtime. Yeah, they were buried in in Showtime. By the way, you didn't have this this week, but uh, just while we're talking about Showtime, did you see this the bit about uh, Warner going to Warner is going to basically rename the Showtime brand on like extended cable, and it's going to be called Paramount Plus with Showtime. That's going to be the name of the network. What? Yes. No. Yes. Why? It will no longer be named Showtime. Did Otani beat them with a trademark? (laughs) They took the W out. (laughs) Well, yeah, because that W goes on his wall in the win column. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Uh, so yeah, it's dumb. Uh, But but this A24 deal is cool because, yeah, finally something that people have actually access to. 
They'll also, be not that much of a surprise for paying attention because HBO and Max have been home to A24 shows hmm. like Euphoria. Euphoria? And then, yes, Euphoria. <laughs> and uh, The Secret Lives of College Girls. Right. So they already had a deal there for television. Why not move it over to, te- to movies as well? Yep. All right. Let's wrap up the movie news with our second story here. Yes. They did finally do it. SAG-AFTRA finally voted to ratify the new contract, officially ending the longest labor battle in Hollywood history. The contract was approved with 78% voting in favor. However, turnout was only 38%. The turnout and the margin of support were both higher than the last ratification vote, though, in 2020. That year, 74% voted to to approve their contract, with only 27% turning out. Quote, this contract is an enormous victory for working performers, and it marks the dawning of a new era for the industry, Fran Drescher, the union's president, said in a message to the membership. Had the membership vetoed the new contract, the strike likely would have resumed. The deal provides a 7% increase in minimum rates in the first year of the contract, and a 40% or $40 million residual bonus for actors on streaming shows. The deal also provides the first-ever protections against the use of artificial intelligence to replicate performances. It's important to note, though, for some actors, the language did not go far enough to allay their fears of being replaced by AI. The contract does not prohibit studios from training AI on actors' images to create synthetic performers who bear no resemblance to any live-action actor. So that means you can't have robot bruce willis but you can have this count bruce willis yeah bruce billis (laughs) and he can do all the things that bruce willis does for instance so not a perfect Uh, deal but bruce willis not the perfect example because he did sign away his ai rights but you know what i mean uh but yeah so not the perfect deal but i don't think there was ever going to be a perfect deal and so I agree that this had to be ratified just for the sake of being able to get back to work. That being said, that 38% turnout, as you pointed this out to me off the podcast a few weeks ago, or a week ago when this happened, is, yeah, worrying. Because it means that large swaths didn't even show up to ratify it, just kind of letting it happen without, without their vote. Right, and that's what we talked about last week before the actual turnout was announced, that there was a huge push to try and get this uh, veto to not pass this current um, yeah. this current bill uh, because of the AI protection or lack thereof that they felt that they could do more in terms of protections. Right Now, this deal, this contract is only for three years, so we'll be right back here in 2026, and we'll see how far AI has come in three years. Yeah. Then again, we talked about or streaming was talked about during the 2010 deal and that was three deals prior to this one. So we'll see when AI actually like comes to fruition and they actually, uh, they being the sag after union, decide to actually put their foot down and stop it from taking over most of Hollywood, if not all by that time. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully there's not some sort of Skynet scenario, but... Uh, Everyone goes to Skynet. It's I'm go to Skynet. metaphor... I know, but I prefer everyone go over to her instead. 
<laughs> at least with her, you can have sex with it. All right, all right. And all with right. that, let's get out of here. That's been the Media Vote Podcast. Before we start having sex with more AIs, let's end this show. You can find us all sorts of places on the internet. Best of all, mediabotpodcast.com, where stories are going up as we speak for a year end up or year end wrap up episodes, which by the way, will continue this Sunday. We already have in the can video games and music. Coming this Sunday, we'll have television, where you'll learn what our favorite TV shows of the year were. And then we'll wrap it up with movies after that favorite movies of the year and then our final show on new year's eve where we will look to the future what 2024 has in store for us then um we'll also have the regular podcast as well on tuesday so don't miss that either if you want to see those in video form you can go to youtube search youtube for media boat podcast and join our channel like subscribe get click the bell for notifications for when a new video goes up You can also find us in audio form if you're old school like that. You can find us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. I'm sorry, I've been talking a lot today. I also did a bunch of of other things with my voice today. So a little, little, Uh, but yeah, Amazon, uh, iHeartRadio, whatever you listen to podcasts, you can search Media Boat Podcast and find us there. You can also find us on social media platforms like Twitter or X, if you so choose, uh, where we're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast. Gmail, you can email us questions, comments, feedback at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. We even play video games on twitch.tv slash mediaboat. You played some Final Fantasy 16 earlier today, for instance. Uh, I play some, and we'll stream some more God of War Ragnarok Valhalla as I try to get through that. Uh, unravel that story so tune in for that too so with that we will see you next time or on sunday for the year-end wrap-up special either way we'll see you soon yep we'll be back with more news more thoughts and more of us hey by the way if you guys want to start it that uh killers of the flower moon three and a half hour epic is currently available on apple tv plus so we might be able to talk about that next week I also think my show is coming on Netflix this week, too. If not, that's next week's issue. But we'll get to those soon and need to start picking our movies. I guess so. But before that, we'll get to TV this upcoming Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. See ya. All right. Bye. (laughs) 